What is up, guys? Max here. Another live episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. And today, it is election day in the United States, November 3rd, 2020. And I don't know how it's been for you, but for me, it's been virtually unnoticeable. See, I'm living out here in Okinawa, Japan, and there's no big election stuff going on here. It is just a normal day. And it's Wednesday morning, November 4th out here. So we are uh, eagerly awaiting as our day goes on to see what happens with the election. And if you're looking to get any news about that from me, I can tell you right now, it's looking like, according to the New York Times, Donald Trump has earned 22 electoral votes to Joseph Biden's 16 with 500 remaining. Aren't elections crazy? And hasn't this one been the most out of control, craziest thing you've ever seen in politics? I uh, I thought it might be fun to jump on the show today and make this the election special, the Scuttlebutt Show election special. Let me make sure I'm managing my screens over here. Whoa, we just had a big, a big jump. Joseph Biden, Joe Biden, 81 electoral votes, Donald Trump, 48 on the most recent update. Okay, so we've, we've got some major, major stuff going on in the election. And as this uh, episode goes on, I'm going to go ahead and give you any updates that I get from my phone here or from the internet, the good old interwebs. So what are we doing? What's the agenda for today's show? Well, to take your mind off of the election a little bit, but still, you know, if anything crazy happens, we're going to go over it. Uh, I thought I would make this episode about the U.S. military and presidents, my experience with the presidents when they've changed, when elections have happened. And if we get into politics, if you guys have any questions about politics, let me know. I'm happy to talk about some issues. I don't normally do that on the show, especially if it's military issues. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, but as we go on, we will go over like kind of where and when I heard that Donald Trump was running for president, because that's kind of a funny story. And my journey with that whole opinion on on this, what's going to go down is one of the craziest legacies in all of political history. So for starters, do, do you guys know who the presidents are who've been in the military? What all presidents have been in the military? Let's put seven meaningless minutes on the clock because I'm going to just totally ignore that timer today. And let's talk about the presidents who've served in the military. So 29 of our 45 presidents of the United States have served in the military. JFK right here, Navy veteran who has a great quote that you can find all over the place on Navy ships and buildings, which says something along, I'm going to butcher it right now, something along the lines of if, if any man ever has to wonder if something that they did in their life had meaning, don't you, they don't have to worry about it if they were in the Navy. Basically saying if you were in the Navy, it gave your life meaning. So that was a horrible rendition of that quote. So don't quote me on that. Go look it up yourself. But it's something like that. If you guys know that quote, drop it in the comments. Uh, let me know what it is. So let's see. I don't know if this is in any particular order, but let's go top to bottom here. So George W. Bush, the most recent George Bush who was president, uh, he was in the Texas Air National Guard, and he got out as a first lieutenant, which is only an O2. That's like a very junior, a very junior officer. Like there's not much, uh, not much to say as a as an O2. So I, I thought he was a captain, but I, anyway, he was a uh, first lieutenant in the Texas Air National Guard. Uh, I know my Texas fans out there probably know more about that than I do. His father, George H. W. Bush, who was in the Navy got out as Lieutenant JG, uh, and then George Bush was stateside. There's some some controversy over George Bush's time in the military and his uh, him not going to Vietnam. 
Uh, George H.W. Bush, United States Naval Reserve, Lieutenant J.G., also an O2. So the two Bushes made it to O2 in the military, which is crazy because O3 is a, is a free pass as long as you stay out of trouble. Maybe not in reserves. They were both in the reserves or, well, National Guard and reserves. And he was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross from World War II, which I'm assuming means he deployed uh, during World War II. Ronald Reagan, captain in the United States Army Air Corps. So captain means he was in O3 in the Army, and he was stateside during World War II. Uh, I'm not sure what he was. Was he a pilot? Was Ronald Reagan a pilot? Let me know if you know. Uh, what Ronald Reagan did while he was in the military, but stateside during World War II, so he didn't deploy, it says, but he made it to 03 at least. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, United States Navy, Lieutenant, World War II and Korea. Badass. World War II and Korea. Uh, Jimmy Carter served in the United States Navy. Go Navy. I think we're going to see a trend here with presidents in the Navy. The Navy is an awesome branch to be in. A lot of politicians come out of the Navy. Pete Buttigieg. You know, whatever you think about him, he was in the Navy or he still is in the Navy reserves. Um, Navy, Navy is awesome. Go Navy, Navy. Let's go Navy. Let's get the next president in the United States uh, in the future to be Navy veteran. So moving down, we got Gerald Ford, United States Naval Reserve Lieutenant Commander, served in World War II. I'm going to assume uh, for purposes of this broadcast that if it doesn't say stateside, that they deployed in whatever conflict it says. So Gerald Ford was Lieutenant Commander, United States Naval Reserve during World War II. Nice. Richard Nixon, United States Naval Reserve. Commander. I didn't know that. Richard Nixon was a commander in the Navy, which is an 05. Okay. O Lieutenant Commander is an 04. Commander is an 05. So an 05 in the Navy, that's pretty high rank. You could be a commanding officer of a ship, of a squadron, uh, not of an aircraft carrier. You have to be a captain to be an aircraft carrier. He was in World War II and was two service stars. I don't know what a service star is. Do you guys know what a service star is? Let me know in the comments if you know what a service star is. Lyndon B. Johnson, United States Naval Reserve, commander. Another commander, Lyndon B. Johnson. World War II, silver star. Silver star is a very high award for valor. So he must have done something really big during World War II to earn the Silver Star. So Lyndon B. Johnson, United States Naval Reserve, Commander, uh, Silver Star. JFK, United States Navy, Lieutenant, World War II, Navy and Marine Corps Medal, and a Purple Heart. And a Purple Heart. Yeah, the J yeah. if you have the JFK quote, drop it in the comments. So JFK, United States Navy, Lieutenant, World War II, and he's got that great Navy quote that hopefully Infernal is going to uh, drop in the comments and let us know what it is. I don't know off the top of my head, but the quote is, here it is, and any man who may be asked in this century what he did to make his life worthwhile, I, can, I think I can respond with a good deal of pride and satisfaction. I served in the United States Navy. Yes, thank you for that. So that's awesome. Uh, that's the quote from JFK. And, uh, and, and that's up. If you've been in the Navy, you've seen that quote up on the bulkheads, you know, as you walk through the P-ways. Uh, it's everywhere. So thank you very much for dropping that quote in there. Um, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Dwight D. Eisenhower, United States Army, general during World War I, supreme allied commander in Europe during World War II, and he was in World War I and World War II. Dwight D. Eisenhower, uh, army general. So general, that's the highest rank we've seen so far. It doesn't say what type of general he was, but for all the sailors out there who don't know how the general ranks work, there's an acronym for it, uh, BMLG. 
Be My Little General. So Be My Little General for Brigadier, uh, Major, Lieutenant, and then General. So those are the four ranks of general that you can be. And Dwight Eisenhower was a general, an army general, which is not a number of stars he has on his shoulder, uh, but he was a general. Harry S. Truman, Army Officer, Reserve Corps, Colonel. So Colonel is 06. So one rank higher than commander in the Navy. That would be captain in the Navy would be a colonel. And he served in World War I. And you can tell by the photo. I wonder if this is like the backdrop they used to use for pictures uh, back then with the, with the bridge and the trees. I wonder where this is supposed to be. Curious. Theodore Roosevelt, U.S. Army, Colonel, Spanish-American War, Medal of Honor. Only president to have been awarded the Medal of Honor. And if you're curious what he got the Medal of Honor for, what he was awarded the Medal of Honor for, <laughs> what he was awarded the Medal of Honor for, it was during his time commanding the Rough Riders in Cuba where they were charging up a hill and he famously just rode his horse back and forth along the hill, taking intense enemy fire, providing a distraction so his team could move up the hill. But not only that, he was the first to encounter the enemy in direct combat at the top of the hill, and they were able to win that battle, and for that, he was awarded the Medal of Honor. So, good for good old Theodore Roosevelt being the only president to have been awarded the Medal of Honor. William McKinley, U.S. Army, Brevet Major. So, I'm going to go with uh, that rank remained major in because the conflict was the Civil War. So, I'm going to go with... Major remained major in the army, which is an 04 throughout time, uh, even post-Civil War. If anybody knows anything different about that, go ahead and drop it in the comments. Benjamin Harrison, American Civil War, Brigadier General, so one-star general, U.S. Army. Uh, these photos are horribly composed. Look at that. Just got his head, way too much headspace above his head. Not a good photo. Glad we've gotten better at that. Chester A. Arthur. New York State Militia, Brigadier General, American Civil War. I wonder if back then you just joined the Army as a general, maybe, if you were somebody of prestige. I wonder if you had to work your way up the ranks during the Civil War. Because back then, I think they were just recruiting people anywhere to fight for the North, fight for the South. Uh, so I wonder how you became a general in, this, in the uh, New York State Militia. James Garfield, United States Army, Major General, Two-Star General. Conflict, American Civil War. So it seems like, interestingly, interestingly, James Garfield and Rutherford B. Hayes, Major General, American Civil War, uh, and then Ulysses S. Grant, United States Army, General of the Army, Mexican-American War and American Civil War, Andrew Johnson, United States Army, Brigadier General, American Civil War. So interestingly, Abraham Lincoln... Illinois State Militia, Captain, Black Hawk War, and I think we can go ahead and add, you know, he was president during the Civil War. So, interestingly, a lot of presidents, and and by the way, as I scroll through this, I think that the order it's in has been starting with most recent down to oldest uh, conflict is, so basically most recent president down to oldest president um, and what conflict they uh, served during. So, Interestingly, I'm noticing a lot of presidents were from the Civil War era. And the reason I say interestingly 
is because every one of those presidents, well, not everyone, I have to check if all of them served a full four years or, or eight years, but that's a lot of years. That's 20, 30 years post-Civil War that Civil War veterans were still president. And I'm just thinking back to like how long people lived back then. So I, I guess I'm surprised to see so many Civil War veterans still around to run for president one after the other. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, James Buchanan. Look at this guy. Pennsylvania State Militia. Private. So that's like Seaman Admiral Program on steroids. War of 1812. Uh, that is, that is a, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm taken aback by the fact that he was a private. You go from private to president. That's motivation for you guys out there. Let that be motivation. Franklin Pierce, United States Army, Brigadier General, Mexican-American War. So another general. Millard Fillmore, New York State Militia, major from the American Civil War. Well, now I'm not sure anymore about the, the dates. Um, Zachary Taylor, United States Army, Major General, War of 1812, Black Hawk War, Second Seminole War, Mexican-American War. Not all these wars were uh, the ones to be proud of, I guess. Um, there was uh, a lot of a lot of conflict within the United States over territory uh, back then, and so you'll see a lot of these were uh, um, uh, what's the word? Not national, but like local in the what would become the United States territory wars. James Polk, Tennessee State Militia Colonel. Did not see war service. Well, should have been alive today. You could basically join the military anytime for the rest of your life and probably see war service. John Tyler, Virginia militia, captain, War of 1812. William Henry Harrison, United States Army, Major General, Northwest Indian War in the War of 1812. Andrew Jackson, now here we go. Here we go. Look at the hair. Look at the perfect hair. Look at the uniform. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. United Andrew Jackson, United States Army Major General, American Revolutionary War. So that, now we're down to the Revolutionary War. The War of 1812, Creek War, and the First Seminole War. James, James Monroe, Continental Army, Major, American Revolutionary War. And George Washington, the OG, Virginia Militia, Continental Army, United States Army, General, French and Indian War, American Revolution. God bless Tennessee. I know we got some Tennessee viewers out there. So, French and Indian War and American Revolutionary War, all the way back to George Washington, who invented the United States. So, there you go. Those are the... Just joking. We blew right past our seven-minute timer like I knew that we would. I don't know by how much, though, to be totally honest. Maybe it wasn't that bad. But we blew right past it to talk about the 29 out of 45 presidents who've served in the United States military. And I did a video a few weeks ago on whether or not I think the president of the United States should have to have served in the military. My position on that is no, I do not think the president of the United States should have to serve in the military. I'd like to see your thoughts if you disagree uh, or agree and why. So drop those in the comments. If you agree, disagree, let me know why or why not you think the president should have to have served in the military. So let's go check in on the election real quick. And as of right now, the states are reporting results. I know that they were saying we might wait days or weeks for results, but a lot of, sta a lot of states have reported results, including Tennessee for Donald Trump. And it, 
looks like right now Joe Biden at 85 electoral votes, Donald Trump at 55, and of course, this is the race to 270. So you need 270 votes to be elected president, and right now Joe Biden's about a third of the way there, Donald Trump's about a fifth of the way there. So we'll see. There's a long way to go. There's a lot of states with major electoral numbers that have not uh, issued any results yet. So we will wait and see. We're standing by. Um, I wanted to tell you guys, because things have been so crazy. Things have been so crazy, and I don't think that they're always as crazy as they seem. The Donald Trump stuff has been so bonkers. It's been so bananas. Um, I don't even know uh, where to begin with with that stuff. And I normally stay quiet on it. I respect everybody's opinion. If somebody's opinion is different than mine, I'm more than willing to hear you out. But I thought it, somebody might be interested and I figured I would tell you where I was and when it was that I found out Donald Trump was going to be running for president because it's a little bit of an interesting story. I was in Iraq. Let me throw seven useless, pointless minutes that I'm just going to disregard anyway on the clock. Iraq, 2015. We are hunting ISIS. And it is, uh, it is getting into the summertime. Okay, so it's hot. And we're in the talk, right? Our, basically our office. And one of my buddies is like listening to something on his phone. Listening to something on, on his phone. And in the background, he's like, hell yeah. And I'm like, what? Hell yeah, what? You know? He goes, just listening to this Donald Trump speech from Arizona. I'm like, why is Donald Trump giving a speech in Arizona? So Donald Trump's running for president. What? Donald Trump's running for president? I thought that that was the stupidest thing I had ever heard. Just if, if all you had was that information, and, and not that I know at the time a ton about Donald Trump or too many celebrities at all. I know he's got his TV show. I know he's from New York, billionaire. I know he was in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York or something like that. And so I hear Donald Trump's running for president, and that's all I know. That's all I know. And so I thought, like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What a gimmick, and it'll be over in two days or something like that. And he's like, I don't know. Have you heard these speeches? And I was like, uh, I haven't. I just said, I had no idea any of this was happening. I hadn't seen the staircase video. I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen anything from him. I wasn't following this stuff. We were in Iraq. So the only thing I was worried about was ISIS and the stock market. Cause I was, we were day trading out there. Uh, if you guys were ever day trading on deployment, let me know, uh, how that went for you. Cause we would be in the talk when the stock, stock market's open, like sell, sell, buy. Oh, I lost everything. Yes. I just hit a big, uh, jackpot on that trade. Uh, anyway, so He's like, well, you got to listen to this and try to picture this. We're out there in Iraq in the talk, in the headquarters, and the room's full of people. Everyone's got a different job. They're all doing their different responsibilities. Some people are just coming in to make phone calls or check emails. We got all kinds of stuff going on in there. And he puts on this Donald Trump speech from Arizona onto a speaker, and we all listen to it. And then we're all like, Trump 2016, baby. Let's do it. On the Trump train. Choo-choo. Full steam ahead. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's get Donald Trump elected. He's going to make America great again. He's going to save the country. He's anti-politics. He's uh, 
pro-America, he's anti-war, all these things. And, uh, and for a while, we were like, yes, this is gonna, he's the man. He's the man. Why don't, he loves the military. He loves America. Uh, he hates ISIS, all this stuff. So for a while, we were like, Donald Trump's the man to, for the job. Let's get him elected. And then that pretty much was the, the mood for the next few months until our deployment ended. And our deployment ends, we go back to the United States, and it's the fall. And, you know, things start to get a little weird with Trump and his, uh, the way he talks about people, the things that he says. Um, but you could tell, and for me, this is in my opinion, okay? In, in my opinion, things were getting weird. I didn't like it so much anymore. Um, and I thought back to it being like, he's going to get, the show is going to end at some point. A lot of people thought that, uh, it just didn't make any sense, but then it became more and more clear as the debates went on that he was definitely going to be the nominee, that Donald Trump was definitely going to be the nominee. And then once he became the nominee, to me, it was pretty obvious that he was going to win. Like you just had to look around at what the people I knew were saying, what I heard on social media, it was pretty obvious. It was like, Donald Trump is definitely going to become president. There's no possible alternative option is what I thought. Uh, I did not vote in that election, and I did not vote in this election, just to put that out there. Uh, if you guys want to know why, I'm happy to discuss it, but just so that we're all clear, I did not vote in 2016. I did not vote in 2020. So, um, so Donald Trump wins in 2016, and becomes, or, you know, 2015, like November, and becomes president of the United States. Uh, so, so I was wondering how that's going to affect the military. So let's pause there for a minute. Let's pause there and check in on the election. Right now, I'm refreshing the results. No change, 85 to 55. No more states have uh, posted results. If you're watching me and not watching that, I'll try to keep you up to date. So, uh, so let's rewind a little bit, okay? 2008, 2008, uh, Obama's getting elected president. I have been, I'm a fairly anti-war person because, and I've talked about this in other videos. Uh, I talked about this in a video where I talked about us pulling out of Afghanistan. If you haven't seen that video, it's up on the channel. So we have been involved in the war on terror for 20 years, but we haven't been, our country, our government has not been fighting to win that war for lo, for the last 16. Okay. The troops have fighting to win, fighting for their lives, doing a great job defending democracy and innocent people around the world. But the government has been just hanging on to the conflict. They've just been keeping a presence. They haven't been trying to, they've been give, we've been giving back territory. We've been giving back ground for all those years. We pulled out of Iraq and what happened? We went back into Iraq. We go back into Iraq with ISIS. So what are we, like, what are we accomplishing? Um, is what I thought. And I kind of thought that for a long time. So I deployed to Afghanistan in 2009 and when Obama was elected and put into office in 2008, Right, so elected in two thousand eight, in office in two thousand nine, uh, January. So, 
I thought, I thought uh, it'd be the end. I thought Obama would be the end of our involvement in Afghanistan, the way that it, the way that it was then, at least, of us just kind of being present. It was not. I was really wrong. So I'm thinking new president, right? We're going to be done with Iraq. We're going to be done with Afghanistan. The wars are going to end. But that was not true. That was not the case. So I was, and I supported that because I've always been like, hey, either we're going to really fight these wars to win where we're going to dedicate every American and NATO resource to destroying the enemy and rebuilding the country or don't be there at all. All in or not there at all is what I thought. So I thought Obama was going to be not there at all, but that ended up not being the case. Like I was saying, so the, the president has a big impact on what we invest our resources in as far of, as our foreign national interests and conflicts, right? Obviously. So Obama did not end the war in Afghanistan. We did pull out of Iraq, but then we go back into Iraq with ISIS and then Syria. And now we're in all these like small conflicts globally. We're doing a, a, a campaign of drone strikes. And I'm like, well, so much for Obama being the, the end of war president that I thought he was going to be. George Bush, back to, I was, I joined the Navy during George Bush's first term. Uh, so he got reelected while I was in the Navy. And obviously, conflict only escalated under George Bush. I deployed in the 2008 surge uh, into Iraq and Afghanistan. So I deployed then in the surge. I actually was on, as a matter of fact, I was on leave. And my leave got cut short early because we were surging. So we had to go deploy. So I actually flew home early from leave from New York to go deploy. Um, Then Donald Trump. And he is... He is, sorry if you can hear my dog, he is, in my mind, the most committed president to ending our involvement in foreign conflicts, however you see that as good or bad. Uh, There's definitely both. So in Iraq, when we were pulling out of Iraq, and I don't know if you guys remember this, about a year ago, uh, America pulling out of Iraq and leaving the Kurds defenseless. Um, the Kurds were fighting in northern Iraq alongside of Americans, and in many cases, they were the tip of the spear, so to speak, on a lot of those operations. And they were fighting for their lives against ISIS because they were, it was a push of territory, you know, forward and back, forward and back. And if we left them out there after everything that they did for us in Iraq without any support, then that would be, you know, unfortunate. Then you have to ask yourself the question of, well, how long are we going to stay? And what are we committing to the fight? Obama deployed, famously, 300 Americans to Iraq in 2014. 300 Americans. The th- Obama's 300 go to Iraq. So is that what we're prepared to commit to Iraq is 300 people? And then avoiding any American deaths because it'd be bad PR? So I am anti-fighting conflicts from a political perspective. I am anti- anti-conflict if it's not necessary, and I'm anti-conflict if you're not going to put everything into it. So... Donald Trump does seem to be the most anti-war president. He's, he claims to be anti-war. He has not shown any signs of starting any wars. Uh, and, well, I guess you'd say he's shown some aggressive stances against other countries, but he hasn't started, he hasn't gotten the U.S. involved in any conflicts. So, 
with that, uh, I'm gonna I'll refresh the results really quick. But I want to go into the, the next interesting like president and the military topic that I was gonna go into was a uh, history of presidents and the wars and the conflicts that they were involved in, starting back from uh, good old George Washington. And I think we all know which conflict George Washington was involved in, but I will go ahead and uh, and address it anyhow. So back in the day, let's pull up this. Let's pull up seven minutes on the clock for no reason at all, and let's go down the list. So number one, George Washington held off as 1789 to 1797 Revolutionary War. That was his jam, right? So George Washington, Revolutionary War. John Adams, no war. Thomas Jefferson, 1801 to 1809, he was in office. The Tripolitan War and against Tripoli, which is now Libya. I don't know anything about that, to be totally honest. Uh, so if you know anything about that, uh, feel free to drop in the comments. Anything you'd like me to know about it or address to the, to the audience. Um, James Madison, in office from 1809 to 1817, the War of 1812 and the Creek War. James Monroe, in office from 1817 to 1825, the Indian Wars of 1817, the First Seminole War, and the Monroe Doctrine in 1823. So that was, and he's only the fifth president. John Quincy Adams, the sixth president, no conflict. Andrew Jackson, Black Hawk War, and the Second Seminole War. Then we have Martin Van Buren, William Henry Harrison, and John Tyler, who had no uh, conflicts between 1837 to 1845. William Henry Harrison uh, didn't really have a chance because he died like 29 days after joining, after being uh, uh, in office because of the flu, because he didn't want to wear a coat. So James Polk, 1845 to 1849, the Mexican War. Zachary Taylor, 1849 to 1850, no conflict. Millard Fillmore, 1850 to 1853, no conflict. Franklin Pierce, 1853 to 1857, the Third Seminole War. 1857 to 1861, James Buchanan, no conflict. Abraham Lincoln, 1861 to 1865, Civil War. Andrew Johnson, no conflict. Ulysses Grant, Battle of Little Bighorn. Rutherford Hayes, James Garfield, Chester Arthur, no conflict. Uh, Grover Cleveland, the Apache War against Geronimo. Benjamin Harrison, First Pan-American Conference. Uh, Grover Cleveland, again, no conflict. He was, he took a, he had a gap in office. William McKinley, Spanish-American War. Theodore Roosevelt, uh, Russo-Japanese War. While he was president. So that was while he was president, not while he was in service. Um, William Howard Taft, no conflict. Woodrow Wilson, World War One, obviously. Warren Harding, no conflict. Calvin Coolidge, no conflict. Herbert Hoover, no conflict. That was post-World War I. And then FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, World War II. Harry S. Truman, into World War II. Then the Cold War. Uh, he's accredited as the Cold War beginning during that time. And the Korean War. So the Korean War was a major conflict. Dwight Eisenhower, Cold War continues. John JFK, Bay of Pigs. Lyndon B. Johnson, Vietnam War. Richard Nixon, uh, he's credited with the war on drugs here, although I probably wouldn't you know, necessarily put that into the same category because that is not a foreign military conflict. Gerald Ford, no conflict. James Carter, Jimmy Carter, uh, the Camp David Accords, which probably would not classify as a war. Ronald Reagan, 
uh, Granada, Central America, Lebanon, Libya, Cold War ends. So a lot of skirmishes. George H.W. Bush, Gulf War One, Bill Clinton, the Persian Gulf War with Iraq, Serbia and Bosnia, Kosovo. If you guys remember all those videos on TV back in the 90s when Bill Clinton was president of us bombing uh, Kosovo. That was crazy. And then George W., it actually says George W. Bush, uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, and then Barack Obama, the, um, the, the they're calling it the Pashtunistan-Wazerstan War, um, or the war across the Duran line, or basically all the conflicts that we had in Syria, Libya, Operation Inherent Resolve, which was our conflict in Iraq against ISIS, and um, a campaign of drone strikes all across the Middle East, Africa, Asia, um, against foreign fighters. So, interestingly, one thing left out from all of that was conflicts in Africa. So there were, there were, there have been, and there still are conflicts going on in Africa. So we kind of uh, gloss over that quite often as well as in the Pacific, conflicts in Africa and the Pacific that we kind of gloss over. Uh, I would just say there's always something going on in Africa that um, we are uh, kind of ignoring. So it's probably worth mentioning that there's been war in Africa going on uh, for decades. So update on the election results, 85 to 61 um, Biden over Trump with 392 votes remaining. And the states that have reported in appear to be Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, Delaware, uh, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, Alabama, uh, Mississippi, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Illinois. Illinois. Illinois? Illinois? So uh, we've got, um, we normally do a one-hour broadcast. I didn't know if I was going to do an hour today or not. Uh, I was thinking I would just, I would just uh, cover these stories and kind of cover the election a little bit and just let you guys know uh, what I was thinking on the, on the politics stuff, which is just that um, I don't think that too many of us are as far apart as we think. Uh, I think for the most part, we're all just trying to live our lives and we should let other people live their lives the way that they see fit. And that goes both ways. That's how I imagine it. And I just look at the news, everything going on in the news, everything that I see, and I just ask myself, if I look out my own window, not in Japan, but, you know, in the United States, because this has been going on for a while now, if I look out my own window, what do I see? Do I see, you know, the world coming to an end? Do I see buildings burning? Uh, Maybe in some places you do, but for me, that was never the case. I never saw this apocalypse that is constantly happening. It's always the end of the world. You turn on the TV, it's always the end of the world. It's always civil war. It's always people getting, you know, picked up off the streets and unmarked cars by government agencies. Like, no matter what you do, it's sensationalism. It's all, whatever you see on TV, whatever you hear on the news, it's sensationalized. And whatever you see on TV, whatever you hear on the news, it's maybe a quarter of a percent of everything that's actually happening. So the way that I choose to live my life is I look out my own window and I go, what can I do to make this small part of the world a better place? How can I be a good member of my community and not cause people any problems? And I think if we all just, you know, kind of did that and not 
look at the world's problems on a global scale because it's overwhelming. It's too much. It's too much. We might all be a little bit happier. So especially, you know, especially this year, dudes and dudettes. How crazy. How crazy this has all been. If you've had an experience of somebody uh, that that has been just totally wild with this election, go ahead and, you know, let me know in the comments. I'll, uh, I'll be sure to address it. Just want to let you guys know, if you haven't already, go ahead, you know, head over to scuttlebuttshow.com and grab yourself some merch. You can get this train-to-train coffee cup with the Scuttlebutt Show logo on it or a shirt like these shirts that I'm wearing or a bunch of other cool pieces of swag that are up there on the website uh, that you can go get right now. And if you've been paying attention to the show on our little intro slide, our intro animation, there might be a little secret message in there to save you some money at our website. Let me take a sip of water real quick. Okay, talking for an hour to you guys uh, leaves me parched, totally parched. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, I want to thank you for tuning in. As always, the complete version of these shows is up on the podcast, The Scuttlebutt Show, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can find a complete version of this show and the clips, which will be up um, on the Scuttlebutt Show YouTube channel, which I usually find the clips by the seven-minute clock, so that's why I always put seven pathetic disgraceful minutes on the clock for you guys. Um, and what have you been thinking of the show? What do you think of the live show? My plan is to get live guests on, which I think that I'm ready to do. I'm ready to do that uh, whenever we have a guest who's ready to come on. And then we will announce the guests and we will get you guys in here to drop comments and ask questions of the guest. So today we covered... Uh, Presidents who've served in the military, presidents who've started conflicts, where and when I learned that Donald Trump was running for president, um, and and either whatever happens, whatever happens with uh, the election, I think everything's going to be okay for the nation. Um, the 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 only like the only time that I get worried if I look back at his history and and empires. Uh, countries. It seems like the one thing that you really can't do is try to rule your people. You can't over, if you're the government, you cannot overstep trying to rule the people. People cannot be ruled. They can't be. That's just, if history has taught us one thing, people will not allow themselves to be ruled. So you have, you just have to let people live their lives. Less government is better in my opinion. That's another thing that I like about uh, my, my politics are extraordinarily liberal uh, as far as policies go, but I do believe in small government and government not reaching in and, and taking too much out of people's lives. Um, so for what it's worth, for what it's worth, um, let me know what you guys think about that. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you like what I'm saying? Do you hate what I'm saying? Uh, I am, I am more than happy to debate it with you in the comments. If you want to leave me a comment, uh, let's see, let's check in on the election real quick. There was, let's see, did I tell you guys it was 85 to 61 now? There are a lot, a lot still to come in. Uh, there are some states reporting uh, numbers when it says even 1% of estimated votes reported. There's a lot of, uh, I don't know how necessarily how to interpret this. Um, I hope that you guys are voting in your, if you want to, I hope you guys are voting in your local elections 
your state elections, uh, your city elections, you could probably make better differences there than uh, the presidential election. So, like I said, I'm not. I didn't vote this year, um, and the reason is I just can't, uh, in good conscience, uh, cast my ballot for either one of the candidates, the main candidates. I think uh, if you, if it's true that every vote counts, then I think every vote needs to be earned. And I don't see things that I like enough to vote from either candidate. I guess if I had to pick one uh, that I think is going to win, I think Donald Trump's going to win because normally sitting presidents have a really good chance of getting reelected for one. And two, it just seems like people that love him really love him. That's what I see online. That's what I see on Facebook. That's what I see on the internet. So from all my friends, my friends lists, uh, people really seem to love him. But you know what you know what bugs me is when people say because you were in the military you have to support Republican. Like that you hear that a lot. Like if you were in the military you have to support Trump. If you supported Obama, you can't call yourself a real veteran. Somebody told me that once. If you support Obama, you can't call yourself a real veteran. I cannot think of a more opposite thing to say. Like, I cannot think of a, a more wrong statement. If you're in the military, vote for whoever you want. Like, if anybody's earned that right, it's those who fought for it. So, I, it, I, I, I would say, I don't know. You guys tell me what you think. But if you, if you don't at least extend the courtesy to other service members to vote how they see fit, then I think that that's kind of jacked up, to be totally honest. So, if you're in the military, vote however you see fit. Uh, I encourage you to... Feel like you should be able to speak your mind, tell people what's up, tell people what's on your mind without fear of uh, repercussions, however you vote. Because um, after Donald Trump, there's going to be another Republican. After Joe Biden, there's going to be another Democrat. And on and on and on until Dan Crenshaw is president. And that's somebody I think we could probably get behind. Uh, if you guys like Dan Crenshaw, let me know. I do. I like Dan Crenshaw. I could see him being president. I would vote for Dan Crenshaw. If you've ran today, I'll tell you that. So then we could have one more name on the list, Navy veteran, right? Wars he was in, Iraq and Afghanistan. So, uh, and then the other, the other, I'll end on this. I'll end on this topic. Let me throw seven minutes on the clock. Let me end on this topic. I don't have any web pages pulled up or anything for this one. I'm just going to talk to you guys about what I think about this. The wars... In Afghan, the war in Afghanistan started about 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago. We are less than a year away from being 20 years from 9-11. We are about a year away from the initial invasion of Afghanistan. People who joined the military to fight the war on terror are going to retire. They're going to be eligible for retirement next year. In theory, this year. Because, you know, your last year hardly counts. You spend most of it on leave and then doing transition stuff. So we should be prepared for a generation of veterans to be moving into government, moving into business, moving into, you know, local and state politics, community leaders, business leaders, thought leaders. I think it is a great time to be in the veteran community because we are about to see the 
the high-ranking members of the military, the admirals, the generals, the commanders, the sergeant majors, the master chiefs, start to retire and move into the civilian sector. And we're going to see more and more and more veterans taking charge of, you know, like I said, business and politics. So the future, in my, in my mind, in my opinion, the future is veterans. They are hitting that age, that, that leadership age bracket where you're eligible to run for president, where it's likely you could be put into a position as a CEO of a business coming out of the military as a, an 06 or an 08 or an E9 or an E7 or an E3, the president that was a private. I think that was in like the Civil War, but uh, the president that was a private. So start thinking and keep, you, keep on your radar politicians, business leaders, thought leaders who are veterans and see what they're doing. You could do it too. The country is primed, primed for an for a, for a, a uprising of veteran leadership. The people who are going to do it are about to hit the market. They're about to, they're about to be free agents. We're right, we can be seeing a whole community of veterans take over the government. We've already started to see it. There's a lot of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans in government now, and that's about to continue to grow. Maybe you've thought about it for a long time. I think now's the time. I think if you've been thinking about running for public office and you're a veteran, I think now is the time. There's no better time. I mean, you might have just missed this cycle, but the next cycle is in two years and then four years and then six years. So go ahead and give it a consideration. It's not out of your reach. You know, I mean, just look at some of the people who've been elected. We've got like, no, no, not to put you down if you are into this, but we've got major QAnon people in office now. Like they ran on the QAnon stuff, which I don't agree with. And I'll tell you, I know people who are in politics and people in politics have lived a whole life up to that point. Don't you think somebody would know when this person was a kid, like that grew up with this person or went to college with them or served in the military with them, if they were into like weird child abduction stuff? Doesn't that check out a little bit? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, you can't trust what you read on the internet. Uh, if you're a veteran, go run for office, start leading this country, start leading the people. They need, people need that kind of leadership and inspiration. They don't need to be told what to do. They need to be led. They need to be guided, empowered, emboldened to do the right things, to live good, positive lives and have good role models. And I think that's where the veteran community comes into play. So with that, let's check. Let's, we're going about 50 minutes. I'll make this an early show. 85 to 61 is still showing. But there's a long way to go. Nothing on the West Coast, because 6.47 p.m. there. Nothing on the West Coast is even considered starting to report because ballots are still open. But on the East Coast, things are starting to come in. Votes are being counted, but it's, it's way too early to call uh, on, based on this map that I'm looking at. Any other states, what's going to happen? We'll be following closely. I want to thank you guys for tuning in today on this very special day, this very special episode. I hope you're having a safe and fun and positive election day experience. I look forward to talking to you really soon. 
If you want, go ahead and share this video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't. Go buy some merch. Support the channel. Listen to the podcast. I look forward to talking to you guys all really soon. And I'm out for now.